Welcome to the Full Contact Fantasy Football Show with your hosts, Nick Zapina and Sharif Phillips-Keaton. All right, guys, welcome back to another big episode of the Full Contact Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined with Sharif, and this week we're going to be getting into sleepers. Um, I think that especially this year with the crop of rookies that are coming in, sleepers are a really uh, interesting topic. You know, you could have vastly different views on some of the guys that we're going to be calling out today. And, you know, not even all rookies, but just some interesting things. Now, before we do hop into the discussion on the actual sleepers, just to kind of close the loop, unfortunately, we weren't able to put out a podcast for this past week. Uh, I was actually a little bit busy, so you can blame me for that. Um, I had to take my uh, state or well national board exam for uh, physical therapy. And fingers crossed, I passed. Hopefully, I never have to take that thing again because it is absolutely brutal. (laughs) But yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, Hopefully, we can make it up to you. So I think we've got a good show in in store for today. Sharif, what's going on? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Nick. Um, I think that week off was needed. Not that I don't love talking fantasy football as much as the next Uh person but you know just to have a week to like settle and you know you know we try to hit this pretty hard by you know giving our listeners and viewers some you know good content that takes us some time to put together um so and obviously it was great to do it because it was for a great reason which is for nick to actually become uh, a licensed physical therapist so it's yeah. uh, it was for a good reason. So if anyone has a problem with it, then they just got to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I I pass and I am a licensed physical therapist sooner rather than later. I really don't want any part of taking that exam again. It sucked, but we'll leave that in the past. I should be getting my <laughs> results some point this week, and uh, I'll update you, obviously, Sharif, and everybody who's listening uh, in due time. So, Sharif, why don't we start off with one of your sleepers this week? I, I want you, I want to give you the opportunity to speak first. So, who do you have in mind? Um, so my first uh, sleeper that I'm going to go with is uh, Buffalo Bills running back uh, Zach Moss. Um, obviously, <laughs> me and Nick had a a pretty funny uh, back and forth before we actually started recording because that was one of Nick's guys he wanted to talk about. But the good thing is we get to go back and forth. Um, Just simply, you know, uh, the first thing is there have been reports from different different, uh, beat writers that cover the Buffalo Bills that they, they being the Buffalo Bills coaching staff led by uh, head coach Sean McDermott, um, that they expect Zach Moss to assume the role that Frank Gore had for the team during 2019. Just for some context on that, um, Frank Gore had 179 touches, which was one less than what Devin Singletary had. And that 179 touches included 166 carries. So you look at that and say there's not much passing work. 
But, I mean, 179 touches right out the gate and possibly more because he's better than Frank Gore at this point, I would say. Um, that gives me some optimism. And as we talked about, so unfortunately, Gore only had 16 targets over the entire season, um, but his average uh, yards per reception were 8.3, as opposed to Moss in 2019 in college averaged 13.9 yards per reception, which you could some people could say he's better rusher than Devin Singletary and looks appear, appears to be a better pass catcher. So who knows? Uh, Zach Moss could take over this backfield. And when you just think of his price right now, um, Zach Moss is, well, at the time we I put this together, which was last week, so not much should have changed. Zach Moss is being drafted behind guys like Boston Scott, Latavius Murray, and Daryl Henderson, three running backs who I would say two of the three are pretty much guaranteed to not even have the starting job. And Daryl Henderson may lose out to another rookie in Cam Akers, but we'll see. So with that being said, Zach Moss being drafted at RB50, and he could potentially start midway through the season and get the bulk of the touches. I don't think you can avoid that. I think a lot of people are going to be happy if they spend one of their uh, last picks on Zach Moss. Uh, What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I I really have nothing to oppose that. Uh, Obviously, I was in the same boat. And it was kind of funny. In our dynasty draft, I selected Zach Moss. I didn't know much about him. I was doing like some very last minute research and I saw that he was a pretty talented running back and he uh, landed in Buffalo, which is a seemingly optimal situation because they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I know that there were reports coming out of Buffalo that Josh Allen said that he wants to throw the ball more and be a little bit more of a passing offense than a running offense. But I think that at the end of the day, Buffalo is going to look a lot like uh, Baltimore and there's going to be opportunity for Devin Singletary uh, Josh Allen and uh, Zach Moss. And it kind of hurt at first because I'm a big believer in Devin Singletary. I think that he's a very interesting running back. He's small, but he's stout. Um, He's a pretty good pass catcher. And just like he's slow, but he's deceiving. He's very shifty in his movement, but he's not a perfect rusher. I think he's only five, seven, Um, and he has some like questions about his hands and ball security. So I think that there's really an opportunity here for Moss to really carve out pretty much a, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Devin Singletary is not going away, but there's a possibility that Moss carves out a three down roll and it might not be your Ezekiel Elliott volume kind of role, but uh, there's a lot of reports that Zach Moss is Im- impressing in the passing game. And he might be the kind of guy who halfway through the season is getting around 17, 18 touches a game total, which for his draft position is just an absolute steal. Like right. there's no, no other way to put it. Um, I love Zach Moss. I think that he's a tremendous value and I'm still kind of mad that you got to cover him and not me. (laughs) (laughs) Got some good shots in there, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right. So I'm going to go to LA and take it to Robert Woods. Um, and before I get into this, I don't think that Robert Woods is a better receiver than Cooper cup. I also don't think that Cooper cup is as good of a receiver as his fantasy numbers showed last year, but that's besides the point. Um, it's a very talented receiving group. Uh, they have a uh, rookie van Jefferson. He's very good. And just kind of about Robert Woods, the way that the Rams finished the season last year, uh, obviously cup had cooked for the first, like nine games of the season, which led to an inflated, uh, stat line by the end of the season. Right. But they were losing. They weren't playing well. And when the Rams changed their scheme and target and started targeting uh, Robert Woods and Tyler Higby more, they actually started to win. And I can't see Sean McVay turning his back on that. I think that right. he's going to kind of stick with what works. I don't see why he wouldn't. So overall, I like Woods more than I like Cup this year. And I think that for his um, draft position, I think that he's going somewhere around the fifth or sixth round. I could see him beating that. Um, I'm not saying he'll be a high-end wide receiver one, but I think that he's going to outperform his average draft position. Yeah, I think the thing with uh, Robert Woods is, the only thing is, obviously, what caps uh, Robert Woods' ceiling is, the guy just doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. Um and I know that you covered it. I mean, he only scored two in 2019, but I think the years before that, I don't think he ever had a year where he scored more than like four or five. He's just not a big touchdown guy. Um, he gets a lot of yards and he has dependable hands. It's just Robert Woods at best is going to be like a wide receiver too. You know, I mean, but that's pretty much where he projects like wide receiver two and like a down year wide receiver three. Um I mean, I love everything you say because it's right on the money. It's it's hard to project what Robert Woods' role will be and, for that matter, what Cooper Cups would be. Um, it's just, you know, if you want to win, it seems like Robert Woods is going to be more of a more involved in the offense and not to say if they want to lose that they focus on Cooper Cup, but it's obvious that they went away from that for a reason and the Rams started playing better when that happened. Um, my next sleeper that I'm going to cover, and unfortunately for Eagles fans, I think he had an injury. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, this is obviously right before that. But even still, if as long as nothing serious happened, uh, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Jalen Rager. Obviously, there were some comical moments when it came to the 2020 NFL draft because the Philadelphia Eagles had the chance to trade up for uh, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb and chose not to. And then the guy that was pretty much projected to fall to the Eagles, that being uh, Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, was there and they still took Jalen Rager. And I mean, that was comical to see all the Eagles fans, uh, Nick Sapina and Brian Clegg included, at just the, the shock, the dismay. Uh, it was it was incredible, but just because it was that shocking of a pick does not make Jalen a bad addition. Actually, 
my opinion has actually grown of him the longer it's been since the draft. Um, obviously, Philly was in the market for a wide receiver in the first round for a reason because they pretty much had nobody who could make a play outside of Zach Ertz. And even Zach Ertz doesn't break open any plays. He'll get your you know 10 to 12-yard catches inside the seams, and that's about it. Um, Jalen Rager obviously is a big play waiting to happen. He ran 4-4-7 four, four, in the 40-yard dash and in his last season in college with terrible quarterback play, averaged 14.2 yards per reception. So I can I can definitely see with a, a pretty good quarterback in Carson Wentz making Rager look that much better. Um, obviously, wide receiver is a big need for the Eagles because in 2019, no wide receiver had more than 43 catches, which is just abysmal. Um, And that wide receiver was Alshon Jeffrey, who pretty much missed, I think, like the second half of the season and could be starting the season on the physically unable to perform list or uh, henceforth will be known as the pup. Um, Add to that that Deshaun Jackson is still on the team, but is pretty much boomer bust and injury prone at this point. Finally, um, Rager can actually be had at least when you look at um, – this is a combination of Yahoo and ESPN drafts that I'm using ADP on, uh, courtesy of Fantasy Pros. So just want to make sure there's no copyright there. Uh, <laughs> but Rager can be had at wide receiver 50. And you think if he can start this season from day one as the number one wide receiver, he could finish the year at the floor of wide receiver three because I feel like there's enough opportunity to go there to – go around, especially to Rager after he comes second to Zach Ertz. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's a great sleeper. Uh, At the end of the day, this is a pass-happy offense. Uh, The Eagles have pretty much been reamed by their fans for not running the ball. And Doug Peterson's not changing. Like, I know that there's been all this talk about you know, making sure Miles Sanders gets his touches and he's the guy and we're going to run run our offense with him and everything. <laughs> and I think there's some truth to that. Like, I think that he is the running back to have. But at the end of the day, Doug Peterson's going to pass the ball and someone has to catch it. And it can't be Zach Ertz for every single play. Right. And <laughs> I just think that uh, Rager is the most obvious choice. Uh, if you're looking for a crazy deep sleeper, I would say, uh, John Hightower is a interesting guy, but Jalen Rager was a first round talent. Uh, the Eagles selected him for a reason. And I think that he, when he is healthy again, he's expected to miss, I think at least four weeks with a shoulder tear. Very, uh, they were very cryptic about it. Um, he's going to catch the ball (laughs) and he might even have, and it pains me to say this a little bit. He might have a little bit of like a Sammy Watkins in Buffalo kind of season where he has a few games where he absolutely explodes. And then a couple games where he's like super quiet, but as a rookie, that's acceptable. You know what I mean? And that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. 
Now, let's see. Ah, my guy. Kareem Hunt, he seems to make one of these lists <laughs> anytime like I have I have to put a list together. Kareem Hunt seems to be on it. Um I liked him in Kansas City, obviously. He was incredible. Um but the perception around Kareem Hunt is that he is the most valuable handcuff in fantasy football. And I'm not downplaying that. It's true. He is. Um, he's arguably more valuable than Nick Chubb if Nick Chubb wasn't there. Like, uh, Nick Chubb isn't as good in the receiving game. So Kareem Hunt would be like a 25 touch game kind of guy. So just hang with me here. If you're in a PPR league, Kareem Hunt's basically with money. He had. 37 receptions in eight games last year uh, on 44 targets. So it's really good efficiency. And that's about 4.6 per game. So that's 4.6 points per game just from catching the ball. And that has nothing to do with yards. And I really expected Browns to be a little bit more run heavy this year with, with uh, Kevin Stefanski. It should be a better offense. And I think that, Kareem Hunt being there through camp, through the early parts of the season, he's going to have more opportunity to actually run the ball. Now, he's not making Nick Chubb go away, but I think that he'll continue to get most of the passing work in Cleveland, and he should increase his number of carries probably by a couple per game. Nothing significant, but he produces a running back two last year in PPR leagues and he's going as running back 24, which does put him kind of in that back end running back two range or high end flex kind of play. But he's the kind of guy who could probably finish running back 15 or better, even with limited opportunity in what should be a fairly high scoring offense should it's the Browns. No one really knows what's going to happen with the Browns. They could completely bomb the season like they did last year. <laughs> but I definitely think that he's worth the value, especially when you take into consideration that Nick Chubb is coming off of a concussion uh, that he's uh, sustained in camp and does have a ACL tear in his history. Um, you're getting a player that you can start now and could be a running back one at some point in this season. What are your thoughts, Sharif? Um, I think Kareem Hunt's a great choice, and not just for a sleeper theme podcast, but just in general. The only thing with Kareem Hunt is I just wonder if there will be enough work for him. I mean, I know that you you feel that he's more than just a high end handcuff to Nick Chubb, but I don't know. It's just when you draft someone as an RB two, or at the very least like a flex category, you gotta expect them to produce. And I think the only way Cream Hunt really keeps his production consistent is if he scores some touchdowns. Because I think if the Browns are gonna run, I you know, on a higher percentage of their plays than they have in the recent past. I think that favors Nick Chubb, even though Cream Hunt will also get some more carries. 
I think that mostly helps Nick Chubb, and that might also limit Cream Hunt's upside because I think they would be throwing the ball less, which is less opportunity for Cream Hunt to exploit that part of the uh, backfield tandem. But overall, I agree with you because Cream Hunt is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL, and the fact that he's a backup on a team just tells you everything you need to know about how lucky the Browns are. Um. So my third guy uh, is going to be Minshew Mania, baby. Gardner Minshew. Uh, Wait, can I, can I interrupt? Sure. Are you putting him in this because of that recent, um, what was it? Was it Bud Light who said that if you draft Gardner Minshew in the first round, that they'll send you free beer or something like that? <laughs> is, is this your uh, plug for Gardner Minshew? Oh, definitely. I'm trying to get all that free beer. <laughs> I'm not trying to pay ever again. Um, but no, that's not the exact reason. It's just because um, Minshew's appeal is simple. Um, obviously, last season was kind of marred by that weird go-between between him and uh, Nick Foles. You know, obviously, they paid Nick Foles – I would say big money for him to come back or to come to the Jaguars and be the starter um, only for Nick Foles to get hurt. And then when he wasn't hurt to play like Nick Foles normally does outside of Philadelphia. But, you know, just trying to be honest. Now, the only quarterbacks in that room that can compete with Gardner Minshew are Joshua Dobbs and Mike Glennon. Basically, no competition. Um, also that means that Minshew's role is pretty much set and he doesn't have to worry about him losing his job. Um, because that basically means he can worry and play free, even though this man that, you know, brought jorts back into style, he's going to play pretty much carefully free, no matter what. Um, now he finished as QB 20 through 14 games last season, which if you play in single quarterback leagues is pretty much bench material. Um, But he played better than his expectations. Not only did he pass for over 3000 yards, pretty much throwing three and a half, I guess you could say four touchdowns per interception, but he rushed for over 340 yards. So, I mean, this guy I think has a higher floor than most sleeper quarterbacks just because of that rushing upside. And then you think he's getting back guys like DJ Chark and Leonard Fournette, but they also added to the offense by adding guys like running back Chris Thompson and tight end Tyler Eifert, albeit he's off injured. And this was even written before Yannick and Gakwe got traded to the Vikings. So the defense was already going to be bad for Jacksonville. It's going to be even worse now. So, you know what that means? More times to chuck the ball uh, for Gardner Minshew. And then lastly, uh, Jacksonville hired former former Washington football team head coach Jay Gruden to be the offensive coordinator. Needless to say, um, under six seasons that Jay Gruden was a head coach, his quarterbacks have produced five QB1 seasons. I think that's all you really need to know. But, Nick, uh, why don't you tell us something we may not know about Gardner? Garner Minshew. I don't have as 
bullish of a feeling of Gardner Minshew as you do. I've never quite been like on the, the Gardner hype train, but all things considered, I, I still think he's good value. Um, I don't have as much to add about him. Like I don't have as many feelings, but, uh, He's at least an interesting guy. Like this guy's a straight up entertainer. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to see his video that he put on Twitter with regards to that beer right. thing that I mentioned earlier, uh-huh. it's worth checking out. It's a uh, really weird. <laughs> um, fantasy wise, my only concern with him is that it's the Jags. Like, the Jags are a different version of the Browns. Like they're just not a good organization. And even though there's obviously talent there, uh, as far as pass catchers and DJ Chark and even going down the chain, Tyler A for DD Westbrook. I'm just afraid that it's the Jags and they're just going to mess it up. That's really all I can say. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Okay, I'm going to move into another guy, and all right, it's Marlon Mack, and this is not a I love Marlon Mack take. I really don't. Marlon Mack has driven me crazy uh, for years, pretty much since he's been in the NFL. I've never owned him. I watch him play badly in most games. I shouldn't say badly. <laughs> he's He's average. But when he plays against me, he has like three touchdowns and 120 rushing yards. And I'm like, dude, take (laughs) it easy. Like you don't do this against anyone else. But my personal feelings aside, Marlon Mack is being taken as the running back 42 in most leagues. And this is obviously all a result of the Colts drafting Jonathan Taylor in the second round. And the fear is legit because Jonathan Taylor is kind of viewed as um, a runner in the mold of Ezekiel Elliott, like a true power runner who can just pull people over, carry the full workload. And that's totally fair. But my problem is people think that it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor show by like week six. And don't get me wrong, it could be. It could be the Jonathan Taylor show in week four. But Marlon Mack is going as the running back 42. And I think that at least for a few weeks, he's going to he's gonna give you value that far exceeds his running back 42 position. Right. Um, I don't think that the Colts' plan is to just throw Jonathan Taylor to the, to the wolves right away. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. They kind of want to make sure that they get the most value out of him through, uh, for his contract. Right. So, um, even if Jonathan Taylor assumes a true bell cow role by week eight, Marlon Mack's going to give you eight weeks of 12 ish, 12, 14 touches in Uh, what should be a decent offense behind one of the best offensive lines in football. And he's just going to be 
so all right. If he's drafted as the running back 42, he's basically a running back five, which is usually someone who will never touch your starting lineup. Right. Marlon Mack will have the ability to be in your starting lineup, at least for some period of time, which is more than you can say for most of the guys going at that point. Exactly. So I think that he's well worth it at that spot. Just you have to temper your expectations for him, knowing that he's probably not going to be the kind of guy who's going to carry you through a week with 25 touches. Right. Yeah, I, that's excellent analysis there, Nick. Um, I'm not that the biggest Marley Mack fan. And at this point, I'm not really a fan at all because uh, I think it's going to be pretty much set in stone that it's going to be Jonathan Taylor's show. Um I think if the Colts want to put the best guy in the lead role in the in as at running back, they're going to go with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Marlon Mack is not a terrible player, but I think we've seen his ceiling, and frankly, it's not that impressive. And on top of that, Marlon Mack has shown, I would say, pretty much every season he cannot handle being the lead back for a playoff team just because he can't stay healthy. And if there's one thing Jonathan Taylor – can do he can handle a bell cow type of workload. I mean, he did it for four years at Wisconsin, so I think just that alone, I think, makes Jonathan Taylor more dependable. And then, hey, worst case scenario, you can always go back to Marlon Max. So, um, I think, but I mean, I also get your point, and it's probably more realistic. Jonathan Taylor won't start right away, just because I think, if anything, it's really just because of this this pandemic influenced off season because any other season where you would get a full, uh, you know, OTAs and full training camp and mini camp and preseason games, I think Jonathan Taylor would wipe the floor at Marlon Mack. Um, be that as it may, um, I'll go with my uh, last sleeper and that is uh, New York Jets tight end, Chris Herndon. Now, <laughs> before you guys at me on Twitter and, you know, start putting those Twitter fingers together. I understand that Herndon is pretty much a sleeper in every sense of the word, specifically because we have not seen this guy play an NFL game since 2018 because of mostly injuries and and a one suspension sprinkled in there. So he is a big risk um, if you're going to take him as a tight end one, but good for most people. That's not where he's going. Um the one thing to hang your hat on, and obviously people are going to be like, yeah, this is old news, but it's relevant news. It's all we really have to go off of. As a rookie in 2018, uh, Herndon caught 39 passes for 502 yards. Basically, he had one of the best rookie tight end seasons since 2000 because it was only done 12 times. Um, and that's times. That's not 12 players because I believe Gronk did it. Or, well, I guess it is 12 players because then you only had a rookie one time. But be that as it may, it was only done 12 times, and there are a lot of rookie tight ends. And most tight ends don't really start shining in an offense until like year three or four. Um, take a look at TJ Hawkinson or guys like Mike Gusecki, David Njoku. It, the list goes on and on. Um, it's... It's more of it's just what you could get him for. 
as far as his price. And then you think about it, Sam Darnold loves his tight ends because he he found a way to make Ryan Griffin fantasy relevant. I think that's all you, you really need to know about that. Um, and obviously, this is heavily dependent on Herndon staying healthy and out of trouble, which he's had a trouble doing either. But he can be had as a tight end 19. And the tight end position is already pretty shallow. So if he can just be on the field, I could easily see him posting at the very worst back end tight end one numbers. What do you think, Vic? Yeah, kind of to the same point that I mentioned earlier with the Eagles where somebody has to catch the ball. Uh, The Jets are a team that have a very strange receiving group. Like, obviously, Le'Veon Bell can catch the ball. Uh, Jamison Crowder is a reliable, if unexciting, (laughs) option. Uh, They went out, they got Brashad Perriman, who has been a bust up until like the last six games for that he had for the uh bucks where he right. was pretty much unreal so no one really knows what the deal is with him at this point um i think chris herndon's gonna pretty much be the zach Ertz of that offense and i'm not saying that he's gonna be zach Ertz level but he's gonna be the the security blanket that darnold looks to so uh, I definitely see him kind of in that fringe top 12-ish tight ends if he's able to stay healthy, um, especially in a, like a PPR league because I don't expect the Jets to score a ton. It should be a better offense than it was last year, but I mean there might not be a ton of touchdowns there, but he should be a reliable target. And like you said, if Ryan Griffin can be fantasy relevant, I don't see any reason why Chris Herndon can't. All right. And I'm going to, I'm going to take it to a super, super, super deep league sleeper for my last one. And this is a guy that I got in our dynasty league. Um, I was reading up on him and the more I read, I was just hearing rave reviews and that could just be camp talk like coaches getting their guys confident uh, for the upcoming season. But that is Scotty Miller. Um, Scotty Miller is a 6'2 speedster, uh, plays wide out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he is pretty much locked into the wide wide receiver three role behind, obviously, Godwin and Mike Evans. And... All the news is that he looks absolutely spectacular. And like I said, that could just be coach talk. Um, You do have to kind of keep in mind that he's on a vaunted offense. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, Cameron Bray, uh, OJ Howard, like there are weapons out the wazoo. But if for some reason someone goes down, whether that's Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, I could see Scotty Miller being like sort of the rare wide receiver handcuff kind of guy. It's kind of weird. Like you don't really see that that often, but he's supposedly been developing a really good rapport with uh, Tom Brady, which obviously goes a super long way because earning his trust is huge. Um, And 
if you have some kind of a league where you're starting like a ridiculous amount of players and you're rostering a ton of guys, I think Scotty Miller is an interesting guy just to kind of look into. Like he's probably not going to pop off the page, but there's a chance. That's all. I like him. He's one of my more interesting guys. Yeah, I got to say, this is definitely a deep dive, Nick. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, but that's the whole point. When you're looking for sleepers, you got to look below the surface, you know, beyond the obvious. And I feel that way about Scotty Miller. Like, obviously, like you're saying, you'd have to be in a pretty, I would say, deeper than average league, which um, I know you have here is like uh, 12 to 16 teams and possibly beyond. And that's if you have... 16 players per roster, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's a lot there. But um, that Tampa Bay offense, I don't see it really getting any worse per se. I don't see it. I see it getting more efficient, but overall not having as many yards to be had because Tom Brady isn't the kind of air it out guy like Jameis Winston does, which is good and bad. But the offense will definitely be more efficient. And like you said, Scotty Miller has the kind of opportunity to just walk in to, you could say, like the Brashad Perryman role, not in the skill set, but just like that third wide receiver waiting for one of those guys to go down. And then who knows, Scotty Miller could have that crazy four game uh, stretch that Brashad Perryman had. And then, you know, you get him for what wide receiver <laughs> 60, 70, who knows? He's not even being drafted in typical size leagues. So, um, but yeah, that's a deep dive, man. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely one of my more interesting takes. Uh, a guy that I've been following pretty closely. So, I'm excited to see how he pans out. I feel like of of all my sleepers, he's the one that I have the most riding on. I see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so that's all we have for today. Uh, Sharif, do you have any closing remarks? Um, I'm still really impressed that you went so deep as to Scotty Miller, man. That's like groundhog sleeper, but you know what? That's, that's okay. It's not to say it's a bad thing. It's just very interesting. And I'm, I'm impressed. Um, yeah, I think the, you know, I had to take Zach Moss on this one, but, you know, uh, first come, first serve. But other than that, just had glad we're both good. And, you know, as always, I want to thank everyone who is listening um, for giving us a listen. And, you know, we appreciate, uh, you know, you taking in our content. Hopefully it helps you if you haven't already done any of your drafts in your home leagues or with your friends or coworkers that we can provide you good advice to move forward. Um, Nick, uh, what about you? No, I just want to thank everybody again, as you said, for tuning in. Um, it's definitely great to be back on the podcast doing this again and not studying my brains out. Um, (laughs) so, so yeah, um, as always, if there's anything in particular that you guys would like having covered, uh, feel free to message us, uh, DM us. I don't care. However you want to do it on Twitter, Instagram at full contact pod, no spaces or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's been a pleasure. Sharif, thank you so much for coming on and uh, look, look forward to getting more stuff out to you guys. 
having fun with it. All right. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.